I'm tired. And uh, had a long week, great week. Been team teaching with Jim Young Brothers. It's been excellent. But it's a lot more work, more time. Not, not saying it's not good. Just saying it's more work and time. Got three kids hanging on my legs. Got a wife who lifts my burdens. But I'm tired. But the beauty is, you see, in the Lord, when I am weak, He is strong. Be strong in the Lord. And in spite of myself and my humanity, there will be a blessing. Not because I got this great thing prepared. Heaven knows I've been scattered because I've been busy. Last night I was starting to freak out. And you know what's really difficult? It's really difficult to preach after teen choir. I'm wiping tears out of my eyes. I'm just so excited and thrilled at the power of you, your voices, your messages. Little ones up there singing, big ones up there singing, 13-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 19-plus, make no matter mind. Doesn't matter. And there is a quandary in this room. You see, this room is full. I looked at that choir, and it's full. What do I mean by that? I'm talking full of potential full of power, full of the spirit, full of hopes, full of dreams, full of excitement, full of anticipation. And yet, there's emptiness. It's a quandary, isn't it? So full, yet so empty. And you know, what's interesting about camp is that you can't, it's really difficult to resist the force of the Spirit in a place like this. Many people over the years, and I'm sure it's happened this year, came to camp with all kinds of agendas having nothing to do with being inspired and filled and moved. But it's like a vortex, a tornado. You get sucked in. And you're impacted. But you go home, and little by little, the routine latches on to you like a huge leech, like I said in my class, and starts sucking the life out of you again. And all of a sudden, the emptiness returns. Second Timothy chapter 4. Don't even turn to it. I'm just going to read a few verses. 
The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring it with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At first my answer, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. There are coming days, maybe even some days here at camp, where you've experienced standing alone. Where you've experienced things that you know you can't even share with your best friend or even your spouse if you're married because it's just too painful. It's too difficult. And the problems and the confusion of life wear on you and you just, you just feel totally and completely alone. But God has said in these words that the Lord will stand with you. Do you understand how comforting that is? Do you grasp it? The Lord will stand with you. Physically, I am tired. But as I watched you sing this evening, I said, Lord, I read these verses and I know that you will stand with me before that young crowd that is so full. But also, in many ways, so empty. See, God wants you to know that no matter what befalls you, or comes your way in your life, he will stand with you if, if, if you're his. And if you're not, you, my friend, are alone, utterly and completely alone. And you know, it's funny because I talk to a lot of people in the course of life, as you do, people of all ages. I hear a lot of things, I hear a lot of stories, but there's something interesting about people that don't know the Lord. They start off full. You've heard the graduation speeches. We're going to go out. We're going to just change the world. It's going to be great graduating class of whatever, whatever. Some of you experienced that this year. 
You're so full and it's great. That's what youth is about. But life takes its toll. And one by one, even those people that get the great career, that have the great job, that get the great spouse, that have the three or five or whatever beautiful children, and the nice car and the nice house, even those people that look from all appearance to be full without the Lord, they are vacant vessels. Empty. Their lives, very little meaning. And when push comes to shove and difficulties arise, they are irretrievably alone. There was a man. His name was John. John wanted to have a good life. He did not know really what it would take to have a good life. He wasn't a guy that was into huge things or huge careers or huge dreams. He just wanted a good life. And he heard about a place that sounded wonderful. It was called the Victory Garden. And he decided, because he'd heard a lot of people had gone there, he decided to leave his life behind and go and find out what was so alluring about the Victory Garden. So he got in a bus, paid his ticket, just bought a few possessions, and headed off the Victory Garden. And he grew up in middle class kind of a home and, you know, didn't really enjoy a lot of the finer things and that wasn't really what he was after. But when he came to within five miles of this huge Victory Garden, he started to see out the windows of the bus that things were just looking nice, beautiful. I mean, thick greenery all around. The closer they got, the better it was manicured and landscaped. He thought, this is an amazing place. He was a little worried, you see. He, he didn't know what the price of admission was. He wasn't sure. He brought some money with him. He knew a lot of people when he figured it couldn't be that imposing because he would have heard about it. But the closer he got, the more nervous he got. It's like, this is like a five-star hotel, these grounds. It's It's unreal. And then they came closer to the closer to the gates, and the flowers were just of all different kinds, and there was no weeds, and there was people in in beautiful crisp white shirts working in the garden with collars. He's like, these guys, these are not migrant workers in sweats, you know. These guys are in white crisp shirts and women, you know, with gloves on, manicure. It was beautiful. They came to the gate, and there were some guards at the gate. They opened for the bus, the bus went through. Beautiful iron gates painted silver and gold that said, Welcome to Victory Gardens. So Joe was all excited, still worried about the money thing, and 
walked through the gates, and there was a little reception with some food. He's looking around. He's like, there's no one going to ask me for money, so I'm just going to start eating. He ate some of the good food. There was fresh fruit and all kinds of things on all these different tables and more people buzzing around um, with white shirts. And some of them introduced themselves. We are the victory team and welcomed them and were very cordial. And no matter how you looked, because there was people of all economic you know, um, backgrounds there, everybody was welcomed. And it was... John was kind of taken back. He's like, wow, this, this is looking pretty good. But still worried about the price. Time came. They were kind of sequestered into rooms and told a little bit about the program. And, um, and then one by one, they were ushered into the, one of the main halls there and, and then into another room from this beautiful decorated main, like a dining hall. And one by one, they were brought into this room and um, they were brought in by one of the victory uh, team. And he went through these huge stained uh, oak doors and walked into this large library full of books and a large, uh, looked like a, a brass globe, but just a very impressive office, probably as big as this room. And there was a man sitting behind a desk that jumped out of his chair and ran towards uh, John and shook his hand vigorously. He said, come on and sit down. Welcome to Victory Gardens. John sat down and the man started to explain a little bit about what this place was all about. He introduced himself as Lewis Farrell. He said, I'm the proprietor of these grounds, and uh, we are just so thrilled to have you here. And he started to explain to John. John said, wait, you know, be, be, before you explain the whole thing, I, I only have like 280 bucks on me, and I got to know right now before I take any of your good time uh, what this is. <laughs> they didn't tell you outside? He said, no. There's no charge. There's just a couple of rules. John said, a couple of rules? Tell me what's going on about this place. Said, Here's what happens. And he took off his spectacles and leaned forward, and John looked at his face and saw in that face a world of information. Glistening white teeth, but a weathered look and graying hair, and he could see by the, by the burliness of him that he was a man that probably in his youth was immensely strong. But now in his older age, he, he didn't look weak, but you just kind of figured, you know, maybe he's mellowed a little bit, but there was still strength in his eyes, his riveting blue eyes, and a kindness in his face, and a wisdom in his face. And he explained, you know, John, listen, call me Lou. Here's the plan, and it's very simple. Tomorrow morning after a good night of rest in the hotel, you go out and you find a place anywhere in the Victory Garden. We're going to give you the shovels that you need, whatever you need, and you start digging. I start digging. You start digging anywhere you want. You can go right outside the door or five miles out because we have hundreds of square miles here. You can just pick any spot that looks good to you. And here's the thing. I guarantee you, you will find treasure. And John's like, this place is rife with treasure. And I'm telling you right now, any place you choose to dig, you will find treasure. But here's the thing. You can't stop digging. And some people dig for five minutes. Clunk, it's there. Other people literally dig for weeks, sometimes months. And he said, but rest assured, we're going to help you we're going to feed you. 
We're going to give you plenty of fluids. You'll have what you need, but you just have to keep digging. And I can't promise you it's going to be a certain time frame because people, that's a big question. I say, I can't do it. You just have to keep digging. Is that fair? And John said, and there's no price, no fee. And Lou extended his hand. And without hesitation, John shook it. He slept in a bed that was just the right firmness, crisp white sheets, woke up, went out to the buffet, had a lot to eat. And the victory team headed him out and said, you know, go anywhere you want. Here's some shovels and things that you might need. Um, realize that most of the digging is not bad. Occasionally you hit a rock. We're going to step, stop in and check in you once in a while if you need any help. John's like, I'm good to go. Off he went. Started digging. He looked around. He could see a lot of activity. Um, you know, some holes that had been filled back in after the person had taken the treasure and gone. And other holes, you could see you know, shovels of dirt coming up. Some people that were just at their knees. They were there a few days. Other people, you know, he looked back. He saw them you know, down five, ten feet. And he's like, man, that's inspirational. So he spent about two hours finding just the right space, and he found a place kind of near a tree, large tree, and he thought it might be roots, so he stayed far enough away, but he thought afternoon I'll get some shade, it'll be perfect. So he started digging. Three or four days of digging, and he was starting to notice that the victory team was very attentive, constantly bringing in whatever he needed, food, drink, they would put it, you know, if it's raining, they brought some tarps and stuff, but you just had to keep digging. He would take some breaks, but he would keep digging. He basically stayed in that hole. Um, but they were very attentive and very motivational. You know, anytime he got tired, he's like, John, man, it, it might be six more inches. Keep digging, buddy. He'd get down and keep digging. And um, after about a week, he was like, you know, this... I, part of me is a little bit nervous, but the guy made me a promise. And I saw so many graves, uh, the holes that were covered over, um, I'm going to keep digging. So he continued to dig. And he was to the point where he was about, he couldn't really see over the top of the hole anymore. And um, again, they'd stop by and keep him motivated and keep him fed and keep him sheltered. So he was doing okay. But he, at this point, you know, we can have it going by. He's starting to get muscular and strong. He's feeling like, you know what? I, I used to, I, the first few days I was here, I was digging like a foot and a half. Now I'm going three, four feet a day. I'm cranking it out. And once in a while, he hit a big rock. And they'd bring stuff over and help him get it out of there. So it was going good. And then after about two and a half weeks, um, he was resting in there one night, and it was late at night. He was sleeping, and he heard a voice at the top of the hole. He said, wake up, wake up. And uh, John woke up a little bit. What's going on? He's like, I'm throwing down a rope. Come on out. He threw down a rope. And John's like, wait, hold on. I didn't get the treasure yet. I'm not going anywhere. And the guy said, what you need is not in there. And John's like, sorry, man. I... I went this far. I'm not stopping for what anybody says. I don't even know who you are. So the guy pulled up the rope and took off. Next day, as he was digging, you know, um, some of the victory team came over, and, and he's like, hey, I got a question. A guy last night came by, and they said, oh, wait, don't even tell us. 
He dropped the rope down and said, come on out of there. What you do, there's nothing down there for you. And John, exactly. He said, those are the thieves. I mean, they, they're very clever. They're very shrewd. They're actually very strong. They've been known to, I mean, these guys are doing this all the time. They're pulling, trying to pull people out of the holes all the time. These guys are buff. But what they don't tell you is once they get you out of the hole, you've already dug most of the way for them. They come back later, get in there, get the treasure. You're done. You, they're letting you do the work for you. So whatever they say, however clever they are, do not listen to the thieves at all. So a few more days went by. He was digging some more. And again, in the night, one of these thieves came, drops the rope down, said, come on out, hurry. He said, listen, I heard the story. I know what you're going to say. Get out of here. Um, two days later, Lou came by. Lou looked down and Lou would stop by once. I said, John, how's it going? John said, it's going pretty good. I mean, I'm probably about 20 feet down now. It's pretty hot and muggy down here, but I'm figuring, and I've been here for what, like almost three and a half weeks or so? It's, I gotta be getting close. He's like, I'm sure that you are, man. You are looking strong down there. He's like, I definitely am. So um, Lou said, I'm gonna check on you in a couple days. Next, that night came, and again, a thief came with the rope. What you need is not down there. Come with me. And John was like, why are these guys, they don't, I mean, they may not have good organization. I've had three guys come by. I'm not coming out. I'm not coming out. I was, a promise was made to me, and I'm not going to stop for anybody until the treasure is mine. I put a lot of work, a lot of sweat equity in this. I'm not coming out for anyone. So the next day, Lou came by again. Lou Farrell. And um, he looked down at Joe and he said, Joe, how's it going today? He said, i got to be inches away from this thing because I am... I'm digging a lot every single day, and I'm down here probably 25 feet. I am strong as an ox, and I'm telling you, I'm going to hit the core of the earth pretty soon. And Lou chuckled. He said, you know, you have done a tremendous job here. I don't know if anyone has gone as deep, as fast as you. And look at your body, man. You are, like, super strong. It's awesome. And then Lou said, you know, I think there's something that you need to know. And just at that moment, the whole victory team came around the top of the hole. Lou said, my full name, did I give you my full name? Yeah, Lou Farrell, yeah. It's Lou Charles Farrell. And uh, with that, he said, Thank you for coming. And Lou picked up a shovel and picked up a mound of dirt and threw it right on John. And John said, well, Yeah, you just threw dirt on me, and I'm down here. And Lou said, You know, we appreciate all your efforts. Thanks for coming. And the victory team buried him alive.
Lou Charles Farrell. Lou C. Farrell. Lou C. Fair Hell. Lucifer Hell. Lucifer Hell. Get it? That's the game, my friends. That's the edge. That's the trick. There's no treasure. But all the tools are in place to make sure that you keep on digging. All alone, keep on digging, baby. All of you up there singing so nice tonight. But a lot of you have dirt all over your hands. Filthy fingernails. Strong muscles from digging, digging, digging. Looking for the treasure that the world has promised you, that Lucy Farrell has promised you. It's there. You just got to keep digging. Sooner or later you get there. The joke's on you, my friend. The joke's on you. And today... And I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I'm at the top of the hole, I had to come at the night when I wouldn't be chased away by those distracting victory team workers. I snuck in, I dug in under the, the fencing of that place. And I'm throwing you a rope, and I'm telling you, what you need is not down there. Can you be convinced? Is it possible that this time, maybe the fifth or the tenth or the hundred and fiftieth time that the rope hits you in the head, that you decide that there is nothing there and you grab on and let me pull you out? No, and it's not me pulling. It's the Spirit of the Lord. It's the love of God that's going to crank you out of that pit. Because, my friends, you're committed to the pit. You're committed to the pit. You're committed to digging. And you are dead already. You are dead already. The covering of dirt is just a formality. To make sure you understand the status of your state. Tonight, there's going to be another song, and that'll be a rope. Another message or a Bible class tomorrow, another rope will come down. How many times are you going to say you don't want the rope? Some of you that are Christians, me included, on occasion when I wander in the victory garden, I should be throwing ropes down. On occasion, I get lured and I pick up a shovel and I start digging again. I start digging again. 
Because the victory team's words in my head, there's treasure here, start digging. And I start digging again. Heaven, help me! If you have found yourself digging again, we have to be strong. We have to be strong. We can't afford to dig around in the dirt anymore. There's too much at stake. There's too many deep holes with people deep down in there with dirt coming up, getting strong, digging in a direction. They have no idea what it's about. Find a way to get motivated, Christian. Find a way. For those of you that just maybe tonight realized that you're dead already, grabbing the rope and saying, Maybe, and giving it a weak tug doesn't cut it. You gotta hang on with all your might. Because the Lord's gonna pull it up. The question is, how hard are you gonna hang on? If it's not that meaningful for you, if you're not that committed, you're just gonna slip right back off. But when you're weak in the Lord, and you say, Lord, help me. He will stand by you. He will get you out of that hole, even if your strength is weak. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The Lord stood with me. You're in that hole. You are all alone. But come out. Come out. The Lord will stand with you. You'll have strength reserves you never thought possible. If you're tired and called to preach to the teens, you'll find the strength. Because the Lord will stand with you. That's his promise. And right now, as I close, I want you to realize something that's going to happen in just a few moments. Before the song even starts, there's going to be a small hand rubbing you on the shoulder. Gray, cold, skeletal hand. And in a hot, prickly breath, he's going to whisper, 